I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Three, two, and welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Doggins on YouTube. And joining me again, Isaac is was at the game with his dad and completely lost his voice. And I know a lot of you don't want to hear from me right now, but I think you'll want to hear from our guest. What you got for me, Kirk Henderson? Yeah, you know, I'm glad it's been about a half hour. I'm a little less heated than I was. I, I, uh, it was, you know, what? it was an outstanding game. It was an outstanding game that had a, a couple of really weird things happen in it that, you know, kind of took away from, from how much fun it was. Um, I, I think in the long term, you know, the Mavericks and, and, and we should all really look at that as a learning experience. Uh, for for the team um, in the short term, it's pretty maddening because you know I think I think the you know the immediate reaction is to want to talk about the refs, but the Mavericks made a whole bunch of mistakes. They you know that last play alone, you know you got you got Dwight Powell missing one of two, and then you go into a a play at the end of overtime, or I'm sorry, at the end of regulation that uh, the Mavericks don't foul. Maxi Kleba runs at the rim, Oof. and then the refs miss a really really breathtakingly excellent hold by Dwight Powell. I mean, the Mavericks <laughs> thought it, the Mavericks social media account tweeted out a photo of the hold saying, get, you know, get a hold of your next Jersey or your Jersey before the game, which is, you know, great marketing. The best tweet but, they've so, had ever. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I, I think you might be right. And so it's like, you look at those things and like that one play that, you know, seven game, seven seconds of, of game sequence really took away from, you know, it, it just it's so much of a focus of, of a game that was really just outstanding. It was really fun to watch. Um, the the foul calling was a little weird on both sides, but I didn't really think it took away from anything. I, mean, I was really excited to like write and talk about the game. And then that happened. And now I'm just kind of like, eh. but, uh, you know, if, if you were to tell me I mean, what day is it? It's November 1st. If you were to tell me on August 15th that the Mavericks would be three and two, I think I'd be all right. especially starting off you know denver portland and the lakers playing these teams so close man if you're a mavericks fan if you're a host of a mavericks podcast i think that you're just so encouraged by what you've seen from this team they can hang with anyone they can hang with anyone this is and there's still a lot of room for improvement because frankly part of why they lost tonight and really the, the legitimate reasons why they lost when you look outside of out when you when you focus away from the outside factors you need to hit some free throws. You need Chris Dapperzingas for once in his life to shoot over 50% from the floor. Oof. You need to cut down on the garbage turnovers that some of the that some of the guys in the team had. And you know, you do one of those three things, they win the game. Yeah, and then not every, it won't be every single night that these calls will happen against this team. I mean, there were just the I I don't I don't think the refs got to the refs apparently get together before every single game and talk about you know, things that they want to focus on and do yes. like film study of the players and like, okay, this is something we have to watch out for. They must not have talked about the left arm or the leading arm, you know, the push off arm on the offensive player because they were just 
all over the place. When Doris Burke on the broadcast is calling it out, when the bra- <laughs> when the play-by-play person is calling it out or the color person is calling it out, you know it's bad. It was so inconsistent all over the place. Just so many different things. And I can... Everybody was upset about it on Twitter. Isaac kept texting me and said, this is the most mad I've ever been at a game. This is the most mad I've ever been at a game. Well, he was so upset. I mean, and for, I can't for, blame him. For people who used to watch the Mavs in the in the early 2000s when Cuban was a lunatic and like <laughs> like started all the ref transparency with how much of what he talked about, the, the it was just it, back in those days, the calls didn't really make any sense. Now I tend to at least know what I'm seeing. And, you know, I'm not mad about the calls because – you know, I read something the other day. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shout it out right now. Uh, Jared Dubin of 538.com in CBS Sports. If you Google 538 Jared Dubin, you'll come, you'll pull, you'll pull up his profile, and he wrote an article that's basically titled "It's Early, but There Have Been a Lot of NBA Foul Outs." Just talking about the sheer volume of fouls that have been called in the early portion of the season compared to previous early portions of other seasons, and it's it's kind of outrageous right now with the points of emphasis. And, you know, to see it called on Luka one way and then not called on LeBron another is really challenging. I don't entirely understand it. Now, it ends up working out in the end because if, if you know, I just I don't like ref blaming. It's very boring. So much of the game is was within the Mavs control. But it's it's just it can be frustrating watching that level of unevenness in the foul calls. And there just were moments of it that I don't entirely understand. And I suppose I never will because. You know, it's just you see a guy like LeBron who is just such a force of nature get away with some of the things he does. He's probably impossible to ref correctly. So he's he's Shaq that can move and dribble. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that one's just kind of a toss up, really. Yeah. Isaac and I, probably one or two games a year, we get really hyped up about the refs. We really never try to to blame the refs and i don't think we should blame the refs for this game for sure. There's so many things like you mentioned the maps could have done better. That last play when Dwight Howard was just holding <laughs> Seth Curry is just it's so blatant and but there is so many different things on that play that, that the refs have to watch out for. Yes. It's just wild to think so like Avery Bradley throws the entry pass to LeBron. LeBron is uh driving baseline. Maxie's running at him. You have uh, a screen up top. You have Dwight Powell with Anthony Davis over on the top of the key, too. You have Dorian Finney-Smith running, and then you have to make sure the guy's inbounds, that he's taking a three. There's just so many little things you have to take take note on on that, on that play. And so right. to get that in, in real time, you know, you, a lot of people were bringing up the challenge. You know, I think even, you know, Dorothy Gentry asked it at the end of the game, you know, at, to Carlisle, like, why didn't – did you consider using the challenge? Why didn't you use the challenge – you know, for that play specifically, she asked. You and you would, they wouldn't have been able to overturn it. Even you, you can't challenge a no call. Exactly. Like there's nothing to do there. I don't think from the way the rules have been explained to me, I had uh, a guy on Twitter, fast break breakfast actually told me that that's Shout not to something that's challengeable. And yeah, and so that is, they can, is, you can challenge a team can challenge uh, in the following instances. This is from their, for the NBA website, a called personal foul charged to its own team, a called out of bounds violation or a called goaltending basket interference. So okay. they only can call things. They can only challenge things that are called. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a test of this rule too. I mean, it, they're only going to do this rule for one year and then see if they want to continue with it. So right. they're really just trying it out. And it's, it's weird to see them try something out in the NBA when I, I guess they've been doing this in the G league. And but, it worked. Apparently and and, and like apparently really, they liked it, yeah. but yeah, to do it just for a one-year trial is kind of interesting. 
Yeah, uh, we've had two two instances where we thought, ah, oh, this is going to go our way, and then it just doesn't. <laughs> if you guys heard that, that was Isaac calling me on his phone. So I don't know how he's, I don't know how to talk to him, but we'll, we'll make Isaac wait. Oh my gosh! All right, let's just let's take a quick break. And coming up, man, there's just so much to get into this game. But I definitely want to talk about Luca's performance. Luca getting hit in the head with with Dwight Howard's you know massive skull. Uh, just so many different things to get to. So we'll get to all that with Kirk coming up next. All right, Kirk, Luka Doncic was absolutely breathtaking in this game. I mean, he is on another level. We've been talking about Luka as a top 20 player, and I think we may have sold him short. Maybe. Tonight he looked like top 10. I, I, I'm I, not one for that sort of talk. And he, the kind of stuff he's doing with, um, with you know, his head and the way he moves his eyes, it's, it's like watching, it's like watching Tom Brady. He is absolutely astounding because the thing about the Mavericks is they still don't have anybody who can shoot the ball. So the fact that he's getting all these assists at the rim tonight against a good defensive team, or at least in terms of rim stoppers was insane to me. The, the one that really, the one that stands out to me is it was one over uh, JaVale. I think it's JaVale McGee to Maxi where he just kind of held him, held on to a, you know, he, he, they thought they were going to be able to trap him, and he held the pass and pulled back just enough, and it was basically like a drop down over the top of both of them from the top of the key. Like, those sort of things, I don't know how he sees this. It's crazy. Okay, and it's really great that the Mavericks are like, so many of his teammates are like willingly embracing that he will get him there, get them the ball in the right place. That's really fun to watch. Yeah, just whenever you're on the floor, Luka could pass to you at any given point. And I think that makes a team better. That makes a team more aware. When you have the, you know, James Harden kind of can do this, but when you have the James Harden, I'm just going to ISO, ISO, ISO all the time. You're not ready all the time. And I think that throws a team off a little bit. Right. Uh, Man, he was just so good. And then, did it have to be Dwight Howard? Like, of all players for him to run into and to hit his head. Yeah, yeah. That was wild. And we're... You know, we're hearing from Tim McMahon that he's going to have to get stitches. We're not hearing anything about concussion officially so far or anything like that. But the fact yeah. that he stayed in, I mean, he is a warrior. He, the fact so, that he just stayed in there, his head was still bleeding at the end of the game. Like afterwards, Tim McMahon reported that his head was still bleeding post game. That, Luka Doncic is something different. I mean, I think Isaac and I were, were talking at the beginning of the season or, or preseason that, uh, man, there's a chance that Porzingis could be the best player. No. Nope. <laughs> there's, there's no nope. shot for nope. Luka Doncic. So, and this just because Luke has been so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think you know my only criticism of his game is that he needs to be a little less chatty with the refs. That stuff is just not going to help him. It doesn't matter if he's right. Nobody cares if you're right. That you know in, in those situations because he was, but it doesn't matter because at the end the refs only going to be remembered to being being talked at you know like Draymond Green's a great example like you just can't constantly bark in their faces that's about my only complaint from him i do have a little bit of a theory about the head thing if you want to hear it i put yeah. it out on my podcast but you know it, that's a different deal so, so i want to mention real like- quick about about that uh about barking at the refs carlisle mentioned this in the post game and he said we have to do a better job of staying in the play and not getting distracted afterwards and i think that was a huge thing in this game that after mm-hmm. something happens there was even that anthony davis you know uh transition like outlet pass that lebron threw where he was behind the defense because everyone was worried about you know luca afterwards like that was an injury thing but there was also so many ref instances where luca was barking at the refs afterwards about a call and there are moments during a game to do that 
and I know there's there's a certain art to working the refs and you know talking to to the refs and all that kind of stuff. But there are certain moments in a game where you just have to stay in it. You, yeah. There's just nothing you can do. Like you said, there's nothing you can do in that moment to change the refs' opinion. You can't challenge <laughs> things like that. So. Uh, yeah, I just thought that it was interesting that Carlisle even mentioned that, that the team has to get better at that. And that's kind of what a young team does. And, you know, yep. we'll see them grow. And, yeah, there's just so, there's so many good things. So, yeah, give us your theory. Okay, so now this is mainly just from being kind of a clumsy person. I've learned, you know, I have a small child, so I've learned to, like, walk around and take very small steps because I hate stubbing my toes. I hate stepping <laughs> on toys, that sort of stuff. But one thing I'm terrible at is when I'm putting away dishes in the kitchen, sometimes I'll open up, like, a, a high-up uh, cabinet, I'll bend over to grab a dish. I'll forget that I have the cabinet opened up. And then I'll, I've hit my head like three times in my house, like on the corner of a cabinet. And if you've ever hit the back of your head, like on a desk raising up or like on your refrigerator, if you've been crouching down, like something ridiculous, it hurts really badly. <laughs> and I think what happened was I really, I really don't think he had a concussion because if he had a concussion, he's not hitting that garbage, amazing three that he hit in overtime or threading that pass to Dorian Finney-Smith. So I think that what it did is it, it hurt bad enough to where he had tears in his eyes and he was angry because that sort of pain also doesn't like, you know, like putting pressure on it doesn't necessarily make it feel better. So that was I, I think he was mainly like upset. And, you know, he really does do a little bit of the Euro thing where he sells calls. Um, so, I, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of all those things wrapped into one because. I just can't believe that the Mavericks will put a guy with a concussion out on the floor. Like Casey Smith, yeah. that that whole that whole training staff is too smart to do anything crazy like that. He so. was Casey Smith was right in his face too. You could see it during timeouts on the broadcast that he was right in his face, looking at him, looking at his eyes, doing all the things that you know. That I guess the stuff that they do in the blue tent now in the NFL, whatever the hell they mm-hmm. do there. But yeah, I, I I don't think that there was any chance that they were trying to endanger Luca at all. I mean, he is the face of the the franchise. Yep. And he is. We talked about him as a top fifteen, top ten player. Um. Okay, Dorian Finney-Smith needs credit for hitting that three. He does. At the Played end, that. I'm I'm a Dorian Finney-Smith hater, and that was, <laughs> you know, that's why they keep rolling him out there. He's just he's effective. Hey, it's a it's a tough night for you. Uh, Harrison Barnes hit a uh, go ahead or a game winning buzzer beater, like like put back layup. So he got a rebound and a. <laughs> Shot to hit. It's a bad night for well, you. Well, they're they're mar- the Kings' margin of victory game to game is like negative seventeen <laughs> points. So, you know, he's often on those lineups. So I'll take I'll take this this Finney Smith lineup though because he he plays with such energy. He he crashes the boards on both sides. Man, he does. It, it's I I really like I really like his effort, even if sometimes he's I don't like the end result. He had five offensive rebounds in this game. That's wild. That's wild. crazy. He. Man, he he was playing so well. I thought, um, Borzingis, sixteen points, nine boards. Uh, like you said, if he could hit, you know, more than fifty percent of his shots in one game, are we still talking about Russ? Is this going to be like the China trip thing where we still keep talking about it until, you know, like two months into the season? Is he still dealing with Russ, or should we be expecting more from him? I mean, we should be expecting more. He's not shot above fifty percent. I think that, you know, it's on paper. On paper, the the pick and roll with him makes, or with with the way the Mavericks run, it makes a lot of sense. You have Powell as the screener, you have Porzingis, you know, or uh, you have Porzingis out ready to shoot if they're going to do a kick out. And simply the way that that Luca runs pick and rolls, he's not looking for a lot of of reverse kicks, like you know, kind of over his shoulder. He's looking to the corners and he's looking at the rim. 
And I, I, it's not working the way they want it to. And also, you know, they're not putting him in roll in pick and roll situations near enough, meaning Porzingis. Right. So I, I, am just a little curious. You know, part of this is Luca's so good, it really hasn't mattered. But the only times they seem to get Porzingis the ball is when he is is isolating. And frankly, he's not good at it, or at least he hasn't looked good at it. Yeah, your he, thing he, about him driving left into traffic. It's like clockwork. Do you see every, it now? Every it single oh yeah, I've seen it every single game, and I, I look for the tweet as soon as he does it. I look on Twitter to see if you've tweeted about it. It's just like needless. Like stop, go right, dunk the ball. You're seven foot three. Do something with it. It's it's too cute. But he's still like what's what's kind of incredible is that I can you know watch the game and think, eh, gosh, he did not have a great game, and then he has sixteen and nine, which is something. Because that's you know it's nearly double. I mean it's it's one rebound away from a double double. So he you know I, I really feel like a turning point game is coming for him, um, probably within the next stretch of games because the Mavericks have an awful you know an EO, a soft schedule for for them. So you know that that's that's kind of where I am with him right now. I'm I'm still uh, positive like optimistic about him. It's just there's there's just something lacking and and they need to do more for him. Yeah, Carlisle after the game said I have to do a better job of getting Porzingis shots. I think they haven't really designed a ton of things for him, which is kind of interesting. That, like you said, they haven't used a lot of the Porzingis, Luka Doncic pick and roll. They mm-hmm. haven't done a ton of pick and pop. They have that whole design thing because if they're doing an action with with Luka and Porzingis, Powell's just kind of roaming. Like he's sort of yep. Ben Simmons at that point. He's just like in the yeah. dunker spot, just hanging out because he's not going to stretch the floor too much. No, uh, he I'd, could stand to be a little more active. Um, I know that you know they probably have a little bit of a design philosophy and that for him to not crash the offensive boards too much, but he really is just a little bit too much of a decoy from time to time. So that that is something I'm a little confused by. But again, this is something that they're that they're going to have to work through. I think part of the problem is, and and this is this is a little bit of a hot take. A lot of what he likes to do is horrendously inefficient, <laughs> and it, it breaks what the Mavericks the process the whole you know, getting good shots from where they're, you know, at efficient points. And I know that there are some players who there's no such thing as a bad shot. I don't think Porzingis qualifies for that yet. So, well, yeah, he's seven foot three and he can rise up and he can hit a crossover pull-up jumper on Anthony Davis. That was wild. Incredible. That one and, and Lucas on board on uh, Anthony Davis was, I mean, the fact that they both hit him on that, like that could be the defensive player of the year. And they, the one, the Luca one made me laugh because the cameraman panned up because yeah. <laughs> the shot was so high arc you had to get you had to pull the camera back to see where the ball was going it's wild he's so good he's mm-hmm. so good i think it's a, it's a little bit of a positive so far this season that porzingis hasn't been as good as he can be and that the mavericks are three and two through this stretch that we said would be really hard couldn't agree more this is this is they have so many places where they can improve i'm just a little curious as to how they're going to get there um you know if, Jalen Brunson wasn't, a, you know, garbage from the field tonight. They yeah. would have won. There's just like lots of little things that that could have gone their way. But I mean, obviously that goes both ways for the Lakers because the Lakers are not a f- fully formed product either. It would have been nice to get this win. It would have been, you know, kind of a, you know, a, 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 the win you put up on your mantle. But again, there, you know, it's a long season. If if you know now's now's really when they this next stretch is when they really need to kind of pad their win total. At least is what I'm thinking. Yeah, and it's it's a testament to what two superstars can do for a team. It just raises your floor. You don't have, you know, the margin for victory for the Mavericks over the last couple of years has been so small. If they mess up, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of things, then all of a sudden they're they're toast. But you have these two guys and they raise your floor so much and you just have to do a couple of things right. Tim yep. Hardaway Jr. is just 
one of the more frustrating players. <laughs> Some of the shots that he took tonight were just terrible. Bad. It's so no, bad. It's so frustrating to me. Yeah. And that he still had a positive plus minus. I just the one shot it was there's an offensive rebound. I think it was it was either over was it overtime? Yeah, it was overtime where yeah, Luka yes. just hit the crazy three and then somebody came down, they took it. Maxi, I think, took one from the corner and uh Finney Smith got the rebound and it ended up in uh in, in Tim Hardaway Jr.'s hands, and of course he just rises and fires. And it's like, This is not your role, my man. <laughs> Pass it to the team. My you know, turn. Pass it to the hot hand. Well, I think Doris on that play even said, well, that was a quick three. Like, I don't know if I would have taken that quick three. It's like a super nice He's way just, of saying, wow, that's a terrible shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. All right, well, any other thoughts from this game that you want to share to the uh, Locked On Mavs listeners? Any? Do you want to just uh, – you want to say anything mean to me about the Lakers because everyone else – No, no. I mean, I, I, I like watching the – I like watching the Lakers play. They're they're they've got a similar set of things to resolve, like the Mavericks do. They got to make they got to find a way to make the pieces fit. Um, honestly, they need to play Caruso a hell of a lot more. Oh, I know uh, that dunk. Uh, <laughs> that dunk was great, but it's all like him and uh, 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 Wright was an excellent matchup. That was a lot of fun. I could have watched a lot more of that. The the you know I, I don't. I personally don't find Avery Bradley to be a good basketball player. I don't, you know, I think he got a he got away with some some criminal activity on Luca tonight. But, <laughs> Definitely, which you know, it's you get away with it doesn't matter. But it was is that's that's they they're capable of being a lot better. I think they, I, if if you were to give Rick Carlisle that team, I think they'd be kind of outstanding just based on the offensive design philosophy. So. Yeah, and I think they hit two threes in the first half. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're they two of thirteen. Yeah, not 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 great. Not what you want. Not what you want for sure. Nope. All right, Kirk, we appreciate you stopping by and uh, doing double duty on the podcast. You can go listen to the uh, Mavs Moneyball post game show with you and Josh Bow tonight. Uh, it was my guy. Uh, who was? It was Matt Gilroy tonight? One of our new guys. All Josh right, was. Uh, Josh was too mad to podcast. I think. <laughs> there you go. Isaac lost his voice, and Josh was too mad. Just perfectly on brand. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Kirk. We appreciate it. Yep. Have a good night. Okay, coming up, we're going to hear from Rick Carlisle on the game. So many good things. Isaac got in a question, so we'll hear actually from Isaac, and then we'll hear from Dorian Finney-Smith on the game, the final play, the hold from Dwight Howard that was ridiculous, all those things coming up after this. All right, Isaac. He's not here. It's just me. But let's hear from Rick Carlisle. I thought this was a great question from Brad Townsend about what Rick Carlisle learned about this Mavericks team after this very heated, contested game. Past couple of days, you said you know you learn something about your team every game. What did you learn tonight? Well, I learned that we uh, we've got a talented group. Um, we have uh, an amazing ability to make plays, um, but we've got to we, we've got to work on a next play mentality when when things uh, do get difficult. And uh, you know, this is such a such a challenging game for for a younger team. Uh, you got a team like the Lakers with you know two MVP candidates. Uh, you got national TV, all that kind of stuff. And this is the, one of those crucibles where you know it's every little thing that happens out there matters. So yeah, we were tantalizingly close from you know being four and one, and uh, you know being. You know, probably being the lead story on all the morning talk shows tomorrow. Um, but now we're three and two, and, and we gotta we gotta regroup. 
um, and get on the plane tomorrow and go to Cleveland. And so, you know, and Cleveland's no easy team to play either. Cleveland actually has been a little feisty. All right, this is Carlisle on why the Mavericks didn't foul while they were up two, I think, uh, at the very end before Danny Green's shot. No, yeah, they were up two, and uh, with six seconds left, they had a foul to give at the end. And this is Carlisle on why they didn't do that. Why not foul up three on that last possession of regulation? Yeah, I mean, the intent was to foul. We just were unable. And so, you know, I just I take responsibility. We're, we're unable to execute something. Um, you know that's that's on me. But we were um, our plan in that situation was was to foul in a, a, a guy on the catch in a, in a non-shooting situation. But the fact that we were unable to do it is on me. And now here's Isaac's question about Dorian Finney-Smith and his defense. Rick, especially in the first in the first half, what did you like about Finney Smith's defense against LeBron? Well, look, Dorian's a terrific defender, and you know, during that period of time, um, he was just doing his normal, solid job. I thought Hardaway did a good job on the first half. We had a lot of good stretches of defense in the first half when we were building a lead, um, and then the second half, you know, it, it got more difficult. You know, they came out with more force. They played a little smaller, played with more force and speed. James didn't take as many rests, you know, um, more challenging stuff. All right, and now let's just hear from Dorian Finney-Smith himself. Isaac got a couple of questions in there. We hear from some other people in there asking Dorian about the end of the game, what it's like guarding LeBron, all those different things. So let's just hear the entire conversation from Dorian Finney-Smith and the reporters in the scrum. I know you obviously didn't have the outcome that you wanted, but that's that late three that you hit, knowing how much you've been working on that shot, how good did that feel? Uh, it felt real good. Um, um, uh, looking, you know, they trust me uh, to take the shot, so you know, I was just gonna keep shooting. And uh, you know, it was a great pass by Luca, really. You know, he drew the he drew the defense in, and uh, he found me open in the corner. Happened in overtime. You know, they scored the first seven points. Do you think you guys lost any composure? Or? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, um, they just had the momentum after that, you know. And, uh, you know, we got to move on to the next play. Uh, we got to do a better job of staying connected in overtime because, you, know, um, you know, they hit that shot. It's kind of like, you know, killed. it looked like it killed our energy. Well, none of us know what it's like to guard or try to guard LeBron James. Talk to us about it. Uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, he's a great, you know, he's a great player, one of the best. And, um, you know, when he making threes, you know, he becomes, you know, uh, even more tough to guard. So, uh, you know, he did a good job, of, you know, being, doing what he doing. Do what he do. He did what he did. Found found open players. Uh, you know, he made shots. And, you know, uh, we, we put ourselves in a great position, but uh, we just ain't came up short. You started the game guarding LeBron. Do you take pride in guarding the opposing team's best player like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. But, you know, they, they did a good job of, you know, uh, setting a lot of ball screens and uh, getting the matchups that they wanted. You know, um, you know uh, guarding that D and Brian and pick a road, that's tough. You got to pick your poison. What, what do you learn from a game like this? Um, Especially it was very similar to the ending against Portland as well. Really, um, just got to make free throws, uh, execute a little bit better on, the, on that last play. You know, we had a foul to give. 
you know, I felt like uh, somebody should have took the foul, but, you know, yeah, I would say I should have. For me, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for me. I think I should have took that foul up top, you know. But, you know, we had LeBron in the two-point, you know, in the two-point area. So um, I felt like, you know, they just executed better down the stretch. Was that the play call to do a foul? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, definitely, uh, you know, the, the call, but, um, we had him in the two point. It looked like he was going for the layup, and you know, it looked like Dwight was holding himself a little bit on that uh, on that back screen. But you know, you know how it goes. It's basketball. I wish we could have reviewed that like they did that Portland game with my my layup. <laughs> no, but you know, like I said, they executed better down the down the stretch. There's a lot of guys on the wings, you know, battling for minutes. What are you doing to consistently have Carlisle go to you in clutch situations? Um. I, I play hard, you know, um, you, know, I, um, you know, I find ways to get extra possessions, um, you know, um, that's it, I pretty much bring a lot of energy, I just be me, don't try to do nothing else. How much more confident are you in your shot in general? I mean, I ain't, I ain't shoot it particularly well, you know, I did, I made a big one at the end, but, you know, um, I think it was, say, what, one for five, one on was a ton, look throw up at the end, end of the shot clock, but, you know, um, I'm just going to keep shooting because I know I work, I work real hard on it, you know, everybody's confident in myself, so, you know, they see the work I put in, so. This was a, another measuring stick game for you guys. You guys could so easily be 5-0 and oh instead of 3-2 three, three and two at this point. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the first five games? Um, we feel good, man. We, like I said, we, we two plays away from being 5-0. You know, if things, a couple more free throws, we'll be 5-0 right now and everybody be, you know, high-fiving and stuff. But, you know, um, you know we just got to learn from these these experiences and just grow as a team. All right, there you go. That's Dorian Finney-Smith, and that's the game. Man, it was a crazy hard-fought game. We'll be back on Monday. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.